Welcome to NeuroMatters, the brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Our program brings together individuals who struggle with Alzheimer's disease or other disorders and noted professionals who can provide answers and timely information related to these disorders. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to NeuroMatters, the brink of Alzheimer's. I am your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman, and I welcome you to our program on Alzheimer's disease and the dementias. You know, 60 to 70% of older adults with dementia actually live in the community, compared with 98% of those without dementia living in the community. So what that means is that 30 to 40% of older adults with dementia do not live in the community, but live in some type of a long-term care setting. Let's look at the cost of care averaged nationally. Adult day services, these are various types of services that might come to the home, average $70 per day. Assisted living, the national average, $42,600 per year. Nursing home care, averaging eighty-one dollars to $91,000 per year, depending on whether you're in a private or semi-private room. In addition to this, the projection for the year 2013 for out-of-pocket expenses for Alzheimer's and dementia care, either in a long-term care setting or in a community setting, was $34 billion. That's a lot of money. So in so many different ways, we are standing on the brink of the Alzheimer epidemic. This is a disease that you want to know about, and I hope that this program helps you learn more about it. So come on in, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair. Let's have a conversation about Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And our guest is a long-term friend of mine, David Hare. David is the marketing director for Wisteria Place Retirement Living, which is part of the Ensign Group. He is also the host of two regional radio shows, Age Well, Live Well, and Senior Spotlight. And I've got to tell you, by the way, that when the possibility of me putting together a radio program was originally presented, David is one of the first persons I sought out to find his opinion. And he said he thought it was a good idea because America could use a good laugh at my expense. (laughs) No, that's not true, Dave. Dave has previously worked as a hospital consultant, as a services director for a non-Medicare home health agency, Home Instead Senior Care. He has over 28 years of experience in various aspects of health care as a direct care provider, as a community educator, and as a business development executive. He has been on the boards of a number of state, regional, and local nonprofit organizations. David was the recipient of the Community Hero Award last year and has also been recognized through other awards for his contribution to the well-being of elderly individuals. My friend, David Hare, welcome to the program. Dr. Brinkman, I'm both privileged and honored to be a part of this program, and I'm excited that this information is getting out as this silver tsunami comes in, the baby boomers, <laughs> and we see the population is an aging population, people living well beyond what actuary tables said, and the probability of developing dementing disorders increase um, with age, obviously. And I'm sure you've covered that type of information before, but as we see the, the population age, with it comes the need for various um, levels of senior housing um, and, and at times may be the most appropriate situation uh, for an individual um, uh, going through that process. Um, and so I'm just excited to be here. I'm, I'm ready to uh, answer any questions that uh, the audience might have or you might have in particular and, and uh, to be able to cover this so that people, I believe everyone should be the captain of their ship and the pilot of their airplane. The individual who might be going through a health crisis or their loved ones, their adult kids or spouse that's caring for them, um, that they have all the information necessary to make the best and informed choice. Well, David, thank you. You know, I've titled this program The Nursing Home Dilemma because it is a dilemma and because nursing home or rest home 
these are the types of uh, terms that are used to describe actually a whole a whole host or a spectrum of living arrangements that can be brought into play. So what I would like to do first is uh, have you define for us what the characteristics are of different types of settings. The yeah. first one, sometimes called an independent living facility. Absolutely. What is that? It, it, uh, I'd love to share. Before I do, I just want to make one comment. I had a gentleman from a rural community and a rancher who said to me a few years back, he said, Dave, it's been my experience as I cared for my parents, and he was almost 90, um, when he cared for his parents early on, he said there was only three kinds of homes, my home, the home, and the heavenly home. And number two leads to number three, and so I'm kind of pro- partial to number one. And I laughed. <laughs> Very I articulate. Thought, you know what? He's right. Back in the day, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, there weren't all these various levels of care. And so as we age as a population and someone is of similar age, their experience has been um, not, to under, not to know about all these other levels of care, how they're funded, and so forth. So here we'll start with independent living. Independent living is a concept either apartment living or what um, is known as executive home situations, cottage homes, sometimes referred to garden homes. It's a level of care where it's an entry point into what is called continuing care retirement living or or continuing care retirement community, a CCRC. Um, Folks will often see that, and um, that terminology used, independent living is the entry point. Typically, independent living is on your own, but not alone. It's, it's senior living with a lot of really great amenities. Um, among them can include things like, oh, three meals a day, say in an apartment living concept um, such as ours. Uh, it would be three meals a day, a housekeeper once a week, um, the linens are done once a week, transportation assistance to and from medical appointments, um, it has wonderful activities, programs, and things that keep people tied to the community, tied to friends, and enjoyable um, uh, uh, things throughout the course of the day. It's a way to stay connected um, with folks and um, just enjoy each and every day. Um, The cottage home or executive home environment, very similar to the apartment living, typically it has a fewer... uh, are different amenities, not fewer, but for example, um, in our community, it's one meal a day because they have a full kitchen. It's two bedroom, two bath home um, with uh, uh, a full kitchen, garage. I mean, it's just, it's like any other home. Um, Typically, there's a downsize and that most people have larger homes than that type of setting. Um, However, they have everything that they need. Um, the amenities would be things like a housekeeper once a week, um, transportation assistance uh, scheduled is available. Um, typically, they have a call system that will um, activate a, a nurse or someone that can come over if they're having a health issue. Um, uh, interior and exterior maintenance is typically done. The most important aspect, though, is that in either level of care, whether it's uh, uh, apartment living or cottage living, it includes no more taxes, all utilities are basically covered, you have your meals covered, um, all those things. And so your monthly number, the number of bills that come each month are significantly less. You've packaged it into a program that allows you to um, minimize those, um, and then you get to enjoy more of each and every day. So what we might think of then as the next level would be assisted living. Right. Assisted living comes into play when someone may be in independent living and then they begin to have health issues where they start to require home health and and oftentimes even uh, non-medical care, um, a a caregiver that will come in that may help with things throughout the course of the day, getting up in the morning and uh, getting ready for a shower. They might need standby assistance for certain things and so forth. If you look at the cost, the typical cost of non-medical, say three hours a day, um, is the minimum for most organizations at $15 an hour in our community, more in other communities. But if you start to multiply that out and you look at the typical cost of independent living, which is roughly in our community, and I know every community is different, but here it's about $1,500 a month, say. Well, if you're paying, you know, 
$45 to 50 or to $55 a day and you multiply that 7 days a week times an entire month you're basically paying roughly right around $3000 for 3 hours a day of non-medical assistance well assisted living is that level of care that has everything else independent does but it ties in the nursing component it has someone there that can pass medication, someone there 24-7, a nurse, a certified med aide, a CNA, um, caregivers that can assist with things throughout the course of the day on your schedule, not on just, a, say, like a three-hour period where they might be there to assist. So it's actually a very affordable option, and typically um, in West, our neck of the woods, it's, it's roughly double what independent living would cost. So close, you know, closer to three thousand in this instance for our community, and so you are going to pay a little bit more, but you're going to get so much more in reference to service and attention to those medical needs. So that's the assisted living side, and there are various options uh, throughout the the country of you know, different size apartments and things like that, and it can vary, but um, that's a wonderful level of care. So. Uh, a person actually could move into assisted living directly. They would not have to come from the independent living component. Is that correct? Exactly. The purpose of looking at a continuing care retirement community is that typically organizations like ours and others will have a concept of once you become part of that community, you get priority access to other levels of care. So it's kind of like a long-term plan, if you will. You enter in at one level, but then without paying deposits, which is the case on our campus, they can move to the next level of care with that priority access, without worrying about deposits, and, and move between levels of care when that, the health need changes and thus the housing need might change as well. All right. Well, Dave, thank you for explaining the differences between those. And now the next one that I would like to talk about uh, after we come back from the break in just a minute or so is um, has gone by different labels over the years. Sometimes it's called a Medicare bed. Sometimes it's called a SNF unit, SNF, or a skilled nursing facility. And this actually has a very different emphasis um, in comparison to assisted and independent living. So um, talk with me just briefly about what a skilled nursing unit is and how it compares and uh, uh, help us to understand that. Right. A skilled nursing facility typically has two levels of care available. One is a rehab-focused care. Oftentimes, it's, it's a short-term rehabilitation, Medicare-funded. Um, they'll be able to receive that care and then move back to wherever they called home, whether it's an independent, assisted, or their, their own home in the community. Long-term care is a level of care that's also offered within that facility that can be Medicaid-funded, private-paid, um, uh, there are various kinds of options available, but that's that level of care where they need 24-7 skilled nursing services. Um, they might have wound issues. They might have other health conditions that necessitate them being at that level of care. Um, at that level of care also can include the progression of um, uh, dementia, uh, where it's moved to some of the physical manifestations of that process, um, it varies as far as the, the, those components of care that are available on an individual campus. For example, here we have a memory care that's a part of assisted living. It's an all-private apartment option so that it's not necessarily solely a um, long-term care or a skilled concept, a nursing center model for dementia care. Okay. Well, thank you. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we will continue to talk with David Hare. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matter System provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. 
Gray matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Every day we face struggles and issues concerning addiction, whether it's ourselves, family members, friends, or other loved ones. On Overcoming Addiction, Hope with Prevention, Intervention, and Treatment, Dr. Joe Terhar helps us all better understand the causes and approaches to addressing addiction with the knowledge that no single approach is 100% effective. From guest experts, families, and addicts, you'll hear about what is and is not working in overcoming addiction. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuro Matters. And we are back. We are talking with David Hare, who is with Wisteria Place Retirement Living, and he has over 28 years of experience in various aspects of healthcare, being a direct provider, a community educator, and also on the business development side of it. We were talking about the Medicare bed or the skilled nursing unit. And David, as you mentioned, um, this has uh, one of the important roles of this type of unit is the rehabilitation role of it. And in fact, services such as physical and occupational therapy and speech therapy are really a necessary part of that component. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, Again, most 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 facilities of that type have um, uh, specialized rehabilitative services, and part of what an individual wants to look at is when you walk or do the, a tour. Typically, decisions are made regarding the care of someone. Sometimes they're preplanned. Oftentimes, they're in crisis. An individual is in the hospital um, for some kind of health issue. A case manager will hand a a piece of paper with various facilities on it for the family member to check out, and they go in and start taking tours. Things you're going to want to look at are the rehab services that are available and are the therapists on staff, um, what is the level of expertise, and so forth, especially as it relates to dementia care, things like speech therapists that might be vital STEM certified, the ability to do swallow studies and other things become vitally important. Um, The the physical therapist and occupational therapist staff that's available and the equipment and the facilities they have available to them can show you about the focus of a facility and, and, and their success rates in, in that rehabilitation phase. Um, it, typically, the way Medicare works is that it's a, the first 20 days are covered at 100% and beyond that, there's an 80-20 split. Um, Medicare picking up 80% and the family picking up the other 20. Thus, we get supplemental insurance policies that pick up 100% of that other 20% for up to 100 days. And so you have some time to do rehab, but there has to be continued progress towards goals. And so the expertise and knowledge of those therapists are vital in how effective that process can be um, going from an acute rehabilitative phase in the hospital to um, a facility that provides rehabilitation in a long-term care setting. Much different. So the, the length of stay then on a skilled nursing unit is going to be variable. It may be a couple of weeks. It may be um, on closer to that um, uh, allowable 100 days, I believe it is. Yes. And yeah, then like from there, yeah. 
from from there they may go home, may go to an assisted living facility or independent living or something like that, right? Absolutely. Wherever they called home, that's our goal is to get them back to that point. Mm-hmm. Now, the next concept to talk about is really just the traditional nursing home. You know, in the larger urban areas, of course, you know, there's a lot more uh, flexibility in what type of a uh, community one might go into, an assisted living community, for example. But in so many rural areas, there are just that number, just not that number of options. And so a nursing home is a nursing home. Um, Tell me what's different there. In, in reference to nursing homes, again, I, I, I talked a little bit about the rehabilitation side, and typically there are those. But in a, a long-term care community, it's about, um, we have a concept at our facility, we call it ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. We hire ladies and gentlemen, we care for ladies and gentlemen, and this is their home. Um, you look at the heart of an organization and the heart of the caregivers that serve within that community and what services are, are available to them. So you're looking at the activities. You're looking at the, the, the suites and the size of, of, of the um, living arrangements that they have. Do they have private apartment options and, and all those things within that community? And oftentimes in the rural communities, they do. And because they're in a position... Um, in the rural community to to be kind of a bridge between assisted slash long-term care. They've adopted and adapted um, to meet that need with uh, um, the activities, the the things they provide to um, keep people connected to the community. And so it's interesting that some of those rural facilities, I've seen everything from hippotherapy and horse therapy for <laughs> in facilities around the region to other things that are not traditional, but they sure are exciting. And it's a new way of looking at folks as they age. Um, we don't change who we are because we're older. You know, I'm Dave Hare. I'm Christian husband, father, grandfather, marketing director with Jerry. I serve on these boards. I host a few. Who I am doesn't change just because I'm 90 now. I still feel the same in my dreams. I'm still 25. And, you know, we need to look at each individual that same way. These people, this is the third third of their life in the reward time. And you can judge that as you tour facilities to see the heart of that organization. And um, so I invite others that I truly believe in people being the captain of their ship and the pilot of their airplane. I I suggest that families and, and individuals Look at your community and look at those resources. Take time to visit, maybe even volunteer. Local churches will oftentimes do Bible studies and and services on campuses such as that, and you'll see that tie. And if you're from that community and desire to stay in it, typically I would bet many people have already done so at at that local um, uh, long-term care facility. And I think it's awesome. A couple of observations that I've had about the traditional nursing home. One is that uh, it's a lot harder to uh, structure the mix of residents that you would like to have there in an assisted living facility. Most people are are at a pretty similar skill level to each other, but in the traditional nursing home where other things are not available, of course, there is a, a wider range of level of impairment, level of physical impairment, level of impairment in mentation and things like that. And the other observation, especially in rural areas, you mentioned the staff and the uh, attitudes of staff. In rural areas, very often the CNAs, the people that are working the floors, are actually relatives of the people that they're taking care of. And while the facility may not be, um, the physical plant may not be all that you would like, that component of it is very important because if a CNA is not kind to a resident, Mama's going to let them know about it. That's right. And, and, and oftentimes it's multiple individuals that are in that facility because in smaller rural communities, that's one of their major employers is that long-term care facility. They hire di- dietary folks to, and uh, housekeeping and CNAs and nurses. There's a physician tied to it that's oftentimes a local physician from that community. And so everyone is a part of making that community um, uh, viable and um, uh, uh, just uh, vibrant. Um, it, it actually acts, as you said, there are those ties, and so it does make it a wonderful option um, for many, but you, you have to 
look at that facility and, and visit, look at the heart. And, you know, I say this often, care does not come in brick and mortar. <laughs> it doesn't come in <laughs> how right. pretty something is. It comes in the heart of each and every person that impacts their life on the everyday. And do they see, I, I, I often say, our, the job of anyone in elder care is to be an extension of the love, care, and concern of that family. If that family That's could a great be an activity director, or if that, ag- that family member could be a nurse, or if that family member could be this, this is our job is to be that extension. And, and I believe that in many of these facilities, the heart of the caregiver is the same. It's giving them the tools necessary to act on it and all those other things that become so important. Yeah. Now, in the last one to two decades, we've seen the emergence of these memory care units or Alzheimer care units uh, or that type of thing. Tell me about the unique characteristics of those units. Absolutely. Um, memory care units is specialized care for those suffering uh, from Alzheimer's and other types of dementing disorders. We've seen the uptick in the number of people. Um, and right now, I can tell you that in any level of care, whether it's independent, assisted, cottage homes, in the community itself, there are people battling with dementias at varying levels and degrees. So we don't earmark or say just because someone has dementia that they may necessarily or been diagnosed that they absolutely must be in a dementia care unit. What sets these units apart is the level of care offered and the needs of that individual resident. Oftentimes, dementia care units are secure unit environments. Um, People suffering from dementia, there can come an elopement risk concern oftentimes. Um, Other things where they may um, go out into the community and get forget where they're at or they become lost or what have you. And so you're looking at a secure environment with specialized activities that, that look at that individual and, and sets them up for success in all things throughout the course of the day. It's simple things that we see at home all the time. It's walking into a room in the morning and saying, Miss Smith, what would you like to wear today? And if she doesn't remember where her clothes are at, let alone what she has, then she goes immediately to that little catch-all thing that she has trained to do so that she doesn't show that she doesn't remember. And she'll say, whatever I had on yesterday is fine. You know, now she's a little upset, though, because she's been reminded that she can't remember, and she uses that as a way to deal with that issue um, when that same staff person could have walked into the room, went into the closet, pulled out two, knows her favorite color's blue, and say, which one today, Mrs. Smith? Would you like this white one or this, wear your white blouse or your blue blouse today? And now you know, that's an excellent, uh, yes, that's an excellent description of how the flexibility of staff responses should be so much greater and should be so much tuned into um, the unique characteristics of each resident in the specialty Alzheimer unit. Exactly, and noting the dementia concern, the dementia issue. If, if in a dementia care unit, these staff are specially trained, the level of training um, is enormous. And, and our facility, for example, um, our director has established a level of training that's three times the state requirement solely because we want to be, we want to care for our ladies and gentlemen at the, the highest level. And it's important for each and every staff member, whether you're a housekeeping or a nurse or anyone, to understand those the needs of those folks that call that level of care home and so david thank you Uh, thank you for that description i'm sorry to cut you off there but we are going to go to another break and uh when we return we're going to talk some more about the specialty memory care or alzheimer uh, alzheimer care units stay with us Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. 
You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuro Matters. And thank you for staying with us. We are having a conversation with Dave Hare with Wisteria Place Retirement Living, and he has been sharing information with us about different types of settings in which uh, long-term care may be provided or in which independent functioning may be maintained with uh, very minimal assist. And David, uh, as we were going to break, I uh, and during the break, I mentioned to you that there has been a decrease in the number of beds in this country um, that are specialty Alzheimer-type beds. Um, from 2004, when there were about 94,000 such beds, and 2012, when there were about 80,000 such beds. What do you think is the reason for that? I think, interestingly enough, um, the medical community has a much clearer understanding of the impact that dementia has on the individual, that you look at each person in that way and you base the level of care most appropriate on that individual's level of function. And so just because someone may have a, a, a dementia diagnosis does not mean that it's not mild, that they're not an elopement risk, that they could function well in, in an independent living environment, at home with some assistance possibly, whatever the case may be. And so folks are, are being able to um, stay in other levels of care um, without it being um, uh, 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 a dangerous situation, if you will. In other words, they're, they're at the most appropriate level of care, but there may come a point in time when the next level of care is most appropriate, and it's, it, oftentimes the CCRC is a great way because people are monitoring and, and, and working with families and individuals on doing that. Thank you. Now, we termed this program the nursing home dilemma. I don't know of anyone who looks forward to going into a long-term care setting, leaving the home that they've lived in for many years, um, being around people that they uh, probably have not met before or at least have not known very well. This is a very difficult decision. It's a very painful decision for the individual who's having the difficulties as well as for those who are trying to provide the care. What are the circumstances that come up that lead to the decision to go into assisted living or a nursing home or a specialty Alzheimer unit? Um, They can be as individual as fingerprints. However, they do have certain consistencies. One is that there's typically a health crisis that has occurred. Some, some 
specific event that has happened that has necessitated and possibly recommended by um, the primary care doctor um, uh, through a recent hospitalization through the hospital case manager where they're saying you, you might want to look at these options. So it could be everything from uh, a rehabilitative stay where there might have been a fall, but there have been consistent falls over a, short, over a very short period of time that has put them at risk. And because of that, they might recommend assisted living or possibly a, a, a long-term care setting. Um, it could be in relationship to dementia care, um, there starts to be that um, elopement risk, that wandering risk where they may be getting lost in the community from time to time and, and people are, are becoming concerned over that. It could be a variety of different scenarios um, that may happen. In the case of independent living, it's a lifestyle choice. Um, many people, um, and interestingly enough, I, you mentioned that no one looks forward to it, um, but I can think of numerous occasions where po- folks have both said, in the end, in an independent living environment, they're actually saving money each month and they're afforded a higher level of independence. You know, people that live in independent living still drive, can go on cruises and do all the things they care to do. <laughs> um, the point being that now, instead of having all these host of bills and a, a huge house and they might have been married and their kids were coming for holidays and now they're going to visit them and they're not coming home all the time. And so you've got this huge house to care for and you live out of a couple of rooms in the house as a widow. And all of a sudden, you know, you're out in the country and you move into town and now you're seeing all your friends and your church friends and you're seeing them on the everyday, enjoying activities, going on outings. And before long, people are much happier and they're saying, actually, I'm more independent and more connected than I've ever been. So that applies to the independent living setting, but um, the the other settings uh, can be such a um, such a challenge, such a heartbreak to people. You know, yeah. I have uh, as I care for patients with various types of dementia. One of the things on my mind very early on is what are the neurobehavioral factors and other similar factors that we can address early that will delay the necessity of admission to, let's say, an Alzheimer uh, specialty unit. And among the things that I've come across there, you know, one of them is the wandering out of the house, especially at night, so that a caregiver can't get a good night's sleep. And I know that uh, another one of those also is um, when problems of incontinence and and personal hygiene become very, uh, uh, very prominent. And I think the third common one is physical aggression, which often arises out of visual confusion and fearfulness and things like that. And so, uh, you know, what I try to do is address those things early to uh, hopefully uh, enable the person to live at home as long as possible. Interestingly, Sometimes there's not a caregiver available, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And a spouse has died, children live far away. Right, exactly. And you said it, to live alone, uh, or they're living alone, and to live within their home as long as possible. I say the same thing through the continuing care retirement community process. Oftentimes that independent living setting, if done in as a precursor to that absolute need for, say, a memory care unit, introduces them to retirement living concepts at a time when they embrace it, get to know people, and then they become, you know, a part of that community. Now, it could be um, some of the outreach programs like the Brain Action Fitness Center that we have here that, that has folks coming into the facility that do have um, mild um, uh, dementia, often diagnosed, but that are taking part in something that's not even an inpatient or a, an assisted living concept or independent even. It's just coming into the building, but getting familiar with that kind of a community and feeling comfortable in it. You know, it is a tough decision. You are The individual will have to downsize most often, um, but for the caregiver, when the decision is made to look at, say, assisted living, and that caregiver now has help with the showers and the medications and all those other things that can become very stressful for the caregiver themselves trying to manage and, and take care of those things, now the caregiver has help in the standby assistance for showering and the ADL issues and all those things. They then can go out into the community and still interact without worrying 
that their loved one is not getting excellent care while they're not there. And you know, I've often uh, I've often presented it to caregivers uh, with respect to the patients that I provide care for um, that um, when the relationship uh, outside of let's say uh, an assisted living facility is so exhausting because the caregiver simply does not have the energy to do all that needs to be done through the day uh, to be on guard against any potential problems that may arise with medication, doubling up on medication, and getting into a dangerous situation such as in the kitchen, and and the caregiver becomes too exhausted to enjoy the relationship anymore, I simply ask them, would you rather have 24 hours of that, or would you rather have one, two, three, or four hours a day, if you would like, visiting your loved one where all of those things are taken care of, and you can enjoy each other? Exactly, and it's about that nature of the relationship. You know, oftentimes the caregiver and that individual that's that's suffering um, from that type of diagnosis, no one's trained to be a caregiver. No one ever, you know, we're, we're a husband, that's our role, or we're a wife, that's our role. And so we try to learn and do it as best we can, And but all of a sudden who we are gets redefined as the first thing that someone says, well, tell me about yourself, and say, well, I'm, I'm a caregiver for my husband. That's like number one on their list. It defines who they become, and that's when it's so great to have somebody else taking some of those pieces away so you can be, most importantly, that person that they fell in love with in the beginning, the, the husband, the wife, the, the daughter, the, whatever the case may be, and can enjoy that component of the relationship. That's why I say it's important for people that work in communities like um, ours, the CCRC and whatever, to be an extension of that love, care, and concern, to understand the history of that person, their background, their work history, all those things so that you know the details. Like even if someone has dementia and doesn't remember that the Ranger game is going to be on, you know they always love the Rangers and you turn it on. Because you know they're going to sit there and they're going to enjoy it, you know, because that's what they always did. And I just think it's important that, you know, folks, when as they're looking at these communities or considering that as an option, to view it both for the individual as well as for that, that primary caregiver so that they can go back to the other and, and prioritize that other role, being the wife again, not just the caregiver, or the husband again and not just the caregiver. David, let's transition to another topic, and and this the focus will be on either assisted living or a regular nursing home bed or a memory care, Alzheimer care unit. And the decision is made, and the loved one is uh, brought to this new living arrangement. How do patients with memory disorders, residents in such a setting, uh, patients with other cognitive disorders, how do they react to that? Um, again, it's, it's individual and, and kind of a fingerprint. Typically, that change can be somewhat, it can be difficult for some. Um, it depends on the, um, the relationship between, say, their spouse or their children. Are they visiting? Um, um, the, allowing that apartment to be set up with their things around them so there's a level of familiarity. Um, with any change, there's an adapt an, ad, an ad, adaptation period where they get to know um, folks within the community and their environment um, and so forth. And it can be um, difficult, and other times it can be not, not so difficult. Um, I have noted at times, David, that um, it may be more difficult for a spouse or for the family members to make that transition than it actually is for the person that has the cognitive impairment. So um, we are uh, about 20 seconds from taking a break here. And when we come back, I would really appreciate your addressing that issue, that sense that a couple committed that they would never put each other in a home in quotation marks or would never abandon each other and it feels like abandonment and it feels like failure to them so david if you will address with me that topic when we come back i will be grateful to you okay absolutely your life your health your network 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Caring for someone with autism can be full of challenges and triumphs. Wherever you are on your autism journey, we all benefit from good information and guidance. Join host Rob Haupt every week for a friendly show that will leave you inspired and informed. Tune in to Autism Spectrum Radio. Our guests include parents, advocates, and experts to discuss current experiences, treatments, and breakthroughs for those living with autism. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Neuromatters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuromatters. Welcome back. I appreciate you staying with us. We are talking with David Hare, and he is sharing the wealth of his 28 years of experience. You started when you were 12, Dave. That's his exactly 28 right. years of experience in so many different aspects of healthcare, and we're so grateful to you for, for being here with us. Now, David, we talked about the difficulty that caregivers may have in adjusting to placement of someone in an Alzheimer unit. Yes. I think you, you painted a picture that oftentimes we as, as married couples, um, my wife and I, for example, I might tell my wife, I promise I will never put you in uh, a nursing home. You know, people will make certain promises to each other or whatever, and they'll always remember that. And there are times at which maybe that problem or that promise was not the most appropriate thing. We did it when we were in our 30s, and we were Duncan McLeod and going to live forever. And um, lifespans ended in their 70s at that point in many of our lives, and now people are living well into their 90s. And we didn't really consider all of the things that could happen. And there comes a point in time where maybe a retirement community option is the best choice for an individual. And so say you're the one that made that promise and your spouse now needs that help. Well, there's two things that we've done in our community. One is we've developed an apartment setting where couples can actually move in together, the unaffected and the affected spouse, so that they have that opportunity to share and continue to stay together through that process. Um, I remember someone who had already lost their spouse um, to that dreaded disease and had come in just a tour because she's a point of reference for many other within many others within the community. And when she saw the units that are designed for couples, she she teared up in wow, large part because awesome. she wished we, she had that option. Now, in some instances, it can be a plus. In other instances, it may still be somewhat difficult for someone to make that transition into that care as long as they still rely predominantly on that family member instead of starting to utilize some of the staff. So each each person in a, in a, a memory care unit option has to evaluate their own specific circumstances to see if that might be the best thing. Um, 
or not. But it's nice to know that there are those options growing within yes, that is the correct. Medicare community. Um, so David, would, um, forgive right. me for jumping in here, but um, I would like to ask you this. I'd like to spend maybe two minutes on this topic. How do people pay for these services? Absolutely. In um, memory care specifically, or in assisted, well, let me start. Independent living is predominantly private pay. When you get to assisted living, either memory care assisted or regular assisted living, it can be funded private pay. You can oftentimes get VA funding assistance if you're a veteran, um, a qualified veteran, or the spouse of a veteran. Now, that process can take some time, but it can assist through that process. Long-term care insurance, oftentimes, um, typically um, most policies are set up, and you'd have to look at yours specifically, but um, that it's two or more areas of ADLs and one IADL, or instrumental activity of daily living, has to be affected, or um, cognition by itself. And oftentimes, people with dementia diagnosis could qualify and be able to access that benefit in an assisted living environment. And so all three of those revenue streams, as well as Medicaid, for um, in the state of Texas specifically, but throughout the country, I'm sure it's similar, um, where um, you can actually have a Medicaid-funded assisted living bed. Now, it won't cover memory care typically. It'll fund uh, assisted living. Um, so... VA, you know, interestingly, um, and um, uh, long-term care insurance can have, can cover it. Uh, long-term care insurance was thought to be a um, uh, a really important key player in the future as our population ages, as we baby boomers move into the um, age of increased risk. And um, I've noticed that companies have exited from this market a great deal in the last five to eight years. I'm not certain exactly why, except that they may have underestimated um, what expenses would be or underestimated how many people would be progressing to dementia or something like that. So, um, and of course, as you noted, the Medicaid challenge, you know, you have to meet the, the income um, uh, requirements and uh, there is a spin down time. Well, David, thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, we have a what I think will be a really interesting program coming up next week. Dr. Christine Myers, a classmate of mine in neuropsychology, is going to talk about the experiences she has had at MD Anderson with um, studying such things as um, uh, brain reaction to chemotherapy agents, brain reaction to other types of therapeutic agents for dealing with cancer. And the week after that, we have the wonderful Dr. Pearl Merritt, who will be joining us. Uh, Pearl has been a a uh, pioneer in so many areas of aging care and is now working very specifically on developing models for training the nursing staff to uh, be ready for the number of people that will be admitted both to hospitals and to uh, long-term care facilities with dementia. So we look forward to those two programs. Thank you very much for being with us. I hope to talk to you next week. David, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Neuro Matters, the Brink of Alzheimer's. Please join Dr. Sam Brinkman again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week. <laughs>